Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. So am I, uh, heard you were looking for a fight. Heard you were ready to throw down. I'm always ready to throw down. Literally come at me, bitch. That's what I'm about to do. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because this is our Lake Monster Showdown. <laughs> Some of you might be asking yourselves, what the hell are they talking about? Lake Monster Showdown. That's a fair question. It really is a fair question. I get it. What we will be doing to wrap up our aquatic creatures. Emma and I have each chosen two contestants and in a Pokemon battle S setting, what we're gonna do is we're gonna tell each other about a few lake monsters and then we're gonna rate these lake monsters and see who's got the best lake monster. Mm -hmm. Zelda, why don't you tell the people a little bit about our scoring? Now, we have three criteria for how we will be ranking these lake monsters. One. Believability. How likely is this thing to exist? Two. Coolness factor. Does it sound like a cool monster? Three. Would you travel to this location to see the monster? Now, that one's important because we have only picked monsters from the United States. So, would we take a road trip there just so we could possibly see these monsters? Mm, we'll see. And so that adds up to a score of potentially 15 points for each monster. So we will see who is the greatest monster of all. One monster will reign supreme. We also have a fun little drinking game to add to the competition of this episode. And that's for you listeners out there. If you just happen to be drinking as one does, every time that we say the word sighting or sightings, take a shot. Actually don't. Do not. Don't do that. Take a sip. You might die. You might die because we haven't um, tallied (laughs) the amount of times that we say the word sighting or sightings. And I have a feeling it's a lot. It's a lot. Remember when we told you to take a sip whenever we said monkey in the Booker T. Monkey Man episode? If you got fucked up off of that, then who knows what's about to happen. It's chaos (laughs) time. It's, It's a real lake monster battle. So Zelda, who is your first contender? First contender! My first contender is the giant octopus of Lake Thunderbird. Does it have a name? No! (laughs) But that's no matter. He's still a very scary and dangerous monster. You might be wondering, Z, we know octopuses exist and this is a podcast about cryptids and other phenomena that are unknown to science. Well, the reason this octopus is so creepy is because... Lake Thunderbird is a freshwater lake, Mm. and there is no such thing as a freshwater cephalopod. That we know of. Well, no, they don't. (laughs) Yeah, that we know of. It's a cryptid. So this actually has to do with osmosis and the fact that cephalopods have not evolved a way to pump sodium out of their bodies. But does that matter to the giant octopus of Lake Thunderbird? No! He spits in the face of evolution. He goes... Rumored to be the size of a horse with long tentacles and reddish brownish leathery skin, the giant octopus makes their home in man-made freshwater lakes throughout the state of Oklahoma. Main sightings have been from Lake Thunderbird, but other sightings of this tentacled creature include Lake Oogala and Lake Tenkiller. All cool names. What perfect names for this creature. Cool names. It's very Scooby-Doo-esque in yeah. the way that these lakes are named. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to point out that all of these lakes are man-made because Oklahoma is a landlocked state. 
think? I don't know, because I don't know anything about Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's a landlocked state, so all of these are man-made lakes. So it's like, how did the octopus get there? And how does it get to other lakes if they were all man-made? Radiation. Um, so none of these lakes are actually anywhere near each other, so it might be many octopuses, or it might be just one that like travels, and I'm thinking underwater cave system. Ooh, I like that. That has been unexplored, mm-hmm. and it's part of conspiracy by the evil scientist who created this octopus in the first place. For sure, for sure, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Obviously. There have actually been many deaths that have been attributed to this monster, oh, no. because it supposedly drowns weak and unsuspecting swimmers. Right, right. Yes, yeah, so it's important to note that none of these drowning victims have been found with sucker marks from tentacles on their bodies. But, you know, maybe the octopus has evolved not to have those. It's a whole lot of spitting in the face of Charles Darwin. Speaking of evolution, um, non-believers cite the lack of freshwater cephalopods for the reason that this creature does not exist, and they instead pin all the deaths on giant catfish, which do exist, or simply, you know, swimming accidents. Mm -hmm. We don't need to attribute them to any um, (laughs) local creatures. Mm -mm. But there have been species of jellyfish that have adapted from salt to freshwater, so it's not totally impossible. I think the most damning evidence is that most of the lakes in Oklahoma were man-made in the 20th century, but this kind of goes back to my, there's a mad ocean scientist doing weird experiments like giant octopi that are freshwater guys. Yeah, you know what? It could be. But that is the giant octopus of Lake Thunderbird. Now it's time for the scoring. Believability. I'm gonna have to give this a one. Yeah, I will agree with you on that one. The coolness factor. How cool was the octopus? He's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Think of a giant octopus. I'll give it a four out of five. I would agree with that. I think that's a fair ranking. Mm -hmm. It could have like horns or glowing eyes, but you know, a giant tentacle monster. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. We're supposed to fight, but here we are agreeing. Listen, we're two good friends. (laughs) We are, our brains are already on the same wavelength. (laughs) Would you travel to Oklahoma to see this monster? Here's the thing. Here's what I need to think about with this is that if it was real, like if, the believability factor was higher then oh my god yes but but why would you go to oklahoma i would love to see a gigantic octopus but unfortunately i would give it a two i agree yeah unfortunately i do not care too much about oklahoma and i do apologize for Mm -hmm. any of our oklahoma listeners feel free to prove us wrong on whether or not oklahoma is worth it chime off in the comments so let's do a little bit of quick maths right now out of 15 the giant octopus of lake thunderbird has got Seven points. Seven out of 15. Less than half. Could be worse. Could be zero. Less than half. The coolness factor really uh, skewed it. It did. It did. Well, that was only my first monster, but I think uh, we'd like to hear about your next monster, Emma. My first contender is the Charles Mill Lake Monster. (laughs) AKA one weird creature from the Black Lagoon looking motherfucker. That's already like, I want that as somebody's Tinder bio. That's intriguing. That's exciting. So this strange cryptid hails from the Charles Mill Lake Reservoir, which is in central Ohio and only a hundred miles away from Loveland. So Loveland Frogman nearby. Ooh. 
The Mill Lake monster is described as a seven-foot-tall humanoid with no arms, a fish head, but think creature from the Black Lagoon, not just a salmon head, mm-hmm. with luminous emerald green eyes, a long green torso, again armless, and long skinny amphibious legs with large webbed flipper feet. So unlike our octopus friend, he has been spotted. <gasps> mm-hmm. Side fact, I believe the Charles Mill Reservoir is also man-made. So he was spotted on March 28th, 1959, when three teenage boys were messing around, probably doing stupid teenage boy shit, near the swampy shores of the Charles Mill Reservoir at night. Suddenly, they saw a massive creature rise from the depths of the black water in front of them. The beast towered over the boys and stared them down with his glowing green eyes. Petrified, the boys sprinted away from the creature and immediately contacted the local authorities. When officers arrived on the scene, they discovered a series of large tracks along the shore that resembled, and I quote, the foot gear worn by skin divers, which I think are scuba divers. While these tracks corroborated the story in the eyes of the authorities, and obviously the boys are like, ah, it's real, there has only been one other official sighting. Cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman wrote in his book, Curious Encounters, that it was seen again in 1963, and also described as luminous and green-eyed. Is So is the creature named anything? No. Can we call him Charles? I'm gonna call him Charles. Because I think that makes it even sexier. I think he's technically called the Mill Lake Monster, but I like Charles significantly better. But so while there are no other confirmed reports, folks in the region still claim to discover strange tracks that resemble huge webbed feet near the coast of the reservoir. So, could still be out there. But how do we know that it is not just a scuba diver with funky funky goggles that scared these little boys? We don't. But we also don't know that it's not Charles. Believability. I would give this thing a I can accept that for believability. Due to A, few sightings, B, external factors that make me think it could just be teens messing around and Mm -hmm. or scuba divers practicing and they got embarrassed. Yeah. Coolness factor. Five out of five instantly. Five out of five. I do love him. He's creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Sexy Charles. You go, Charles. And finally, would you travel? Why would I go to Ohio? For this monster and maybe the frogmen? Oh, I would go to Ohio for the frogmen too. I'm I'm gonna give this a three too because I'm not just going to see Charles. I'll accept it. And quick maths, that looks like Charles does get 11 out of 15. I'm off to a good start. Much better than my boy, giant octopus. Damn right. But I gotta tell you about my second contender. The second contender. The big, the bad, the bear lake monster. A staple of local folklore from Bear Lake near the Utah-Idaho border, the Bear Lake monster is said to be kind of a serpent, but with legs that are each about a foot and a half. So it's snaky, but salamandery, but newt? What would you call a snake with legs other than an abomination? So it's been described as a creature that is light cream in color Mm. with either the head of a cow, an otter, or a crocodile, or maybe a walrus. People don't know what animals look like. People don't. Especially in Utah. (laughs) Apparently. It's also at least 50 feet long, undulating near the shoreline, and it's faster than a locomotive. Shit, that's fast. And you might be saying, 
a locomotive? Yeah, that's how we're describing it, because that's the main description of this creature, and they all came from reports from the 19th century, and they were written by Joseph C. Rich, a Mormon colonizer. Yeah, we are calling him a colonizer, because it's our history now. So he never saw the creature, but he wrote the mythology down from secondhand sources. All the way back in 1868, there was an article in the Desert News written by Rich that said, and I do apologize for this, um... Oh god, what did he say? He's terrible. What did this old white Mormon say? The Indians have a tradition concerning a strange, serpent-like creature inhabiting the waters of Bear Lake. Now, it seems this water devil, as the Indians have called it, has again made an appearance. A number of our white settlers declare they have seen it with their own eyes. This bear-like monster, they now call it, is causing a great deal of excitement up here. Love the way he pointed out races. I also like how he called it. He instantly was like, oh yeah, that's a devil. That thing is from hell. We don't know where it's from. We don't know. You can't just say things like that willy-nilly. We're no. cryptozoologists and we know better. Mm -hmm. So about a month after this article was published, a staff member quizzed members of the Salt Lake City community and found that over 80% of the population believed in this creature because of the published article. So by this point, the Bear Lake monster had gone Mormon viral. Ooh. <laughs> What? Woo! What a thing to say! What a thing to have written down! What a thing to say! So even the president of the Latter-day Saints Church, Brigham Young, himself traveled to Bear Lake to investigate claims of the creature. Wow. Certain locals even attempted to trap and catch the creature as they believed they could exploit it in a traveling show and compete with P.T. Barnum and his Circus of Wonders, because that was going on at the same time of all of this. A whole other can of worms with that one. Yeah, why do you um take things that are different from you and... Exploit them. Yeah, that's like a thing. Why? Well, they never did manage to catch the monster. Thank goodness. And 26 years after all this brouhaha, the guy who wrote the original article claimed he had orchestrated it all as a wonderful first-class lie. <laughs> but like, what does he know? True. Really, what does he know? Because he's a white guy who took stories from Native Americans, sold it to sell a newspaper, and then claimed he was like, oh yeah, no, those, they didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, so I like went along with the life. So who knows? Even denial from him, I don't believe. Yeah. So like, could it have existed? He doesn't know. He doesn't fucking know. Yeah. So even after claims that he made up the monster, more sightings have come to light. Oh. Proven you wrong, Mr. Rich. Mm-hmm. In a letter published in a Utah newspaper, two men claimed that they had seen the monster because they made camp by the river and it had eaten one of their horses. No. Don't eat horses. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't save but it, it from the monster <laughs> in the Bear Lake. <laughs> and then a four-year-old claimed to see it in 1937, and then a Boy Scout leader also had a sighting in 1946. Lots of people of all types have claimed to see this monster. Yeah. The most recent sighting was in 2002 by Bear Lake business owner Brian Hershey. The locals love their lake monster. I can't blame them. I mean, fuck a colonizer, eat a horse, mm -hmm. slither around. Yeah. That's a good t-shirt idea. <laughs> in 1996, a competition was organized to have school children name the monster, and the name Isabella was picked by an eight-year-old little girl. Cute. So we've got a queen. Queen Isabella, the lake monster. 
At one point, there is even a lake monster-shaped boat that would ferry tourists around the lake and tell them stories of sightings and other history involved with the bear lake monster. Okay, I'm gonna get the would you travel first because I would give that a four out of five. If they still had the little boat guy, yeah. Boat? Yes. Hell yes. Also, I've always wanted to go to Salt Lake City. I've heard Utah is very beautiful. Yeah. Believability. I'm giving it a three out of five personally. You can fight me on it, but- No, that's the number I had in my head too because like, what can we truly believe from a white man? Exactly. Like most, the, the main source was from a white man who said he was lying, but also he took his stories from indigenous people. Yeah. So what, what does A, what does he know, but B, the fact that he's our primary source is sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coolness factor. Very cool. I would give it a four out of five. Oh, the creamy walrus head. The color intrigues me. Very modern of it. It's very modern. So let's tally those scores up. It looks like we've got a... Ooh, it's a tie. 11. That's another 11. Yes, that's a tie. So we got 11 out of 15 for the Bear Lake Monster, aka Isabella. Her and Charles are, are neck and neck. All right, well, we've got one more creature. Would you take it away for us, Ems? Final creature and the last contender. <laughs> Bessie. AKA South Bay Bessie, AKA the Lake Erie Monster, AKA Nessie the Loch Ness Monster's cousin. Lady of many nicknames. Many a nickname. So this bad girl has been spotted all over Lake Erie with sightings stemming from, once again, Ohio. Ohio is weird. Yeah. But also Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, and Canada. She's all over Lake Erie. A traveler. A traveler. Bessie is a dark colored snake-like monster measuring from 25 to 50 feet long and at least a foot in diameter. So she's big. She's prehistoric big. Extra oxygen on the earth big. But she defies time. And this description of her has remained consistent over 200 years since her first sightings. So speaking of sightings, there have been tons of Bessie sightings, starting all the way back in 1793 and goes all the way until the 1990s. The only variations have basically been in color and like mildly in size, which may mean that perhaps there's more than one Bessie, perhaps it's a species. So there's been so many sightings that it's really hard for me to choose which ones to tell you guys about. So I'm gonna tell you about a bunch. Let's start with the 1800s though. Taking it back. So there were three sightings in 1817 of a massive serpent-like creature. One of which was by two brothers who spotted a 30-foot monster on the beach that was writhing around. They of course fled the scene, scared shitless as one would be, but later returned with authorities only to find marks in the sand where she had been and silver scales about the size of silver dollars. Sightings picked up in the 1890s. In July 1892, newspapers reported that the entire crew of a ship sighted the monster. The crew and captain claimed to have seen a large area of water a little ways out from them that was churning and foaming. As they approached, they saw a huge sea serpent that seemed to be wrestling about in the waters. They watched as the creature relaxed itself and it stretched out to show its full length, estimated at about 50 feet long and four feet in circumference. When she raised her head above the water, they found that she had an additional four feet in length with the vicious sparkling eyes and large fins. There was another large sighting on May 5th, 1896, when four beachgoers at Crystal Beach, Ontario, watched for 45 minutes as a 30-foot creature with a dog-shaped head and pointy tail churned up water as it swam around. 
But even though she had tons of sightings, like that's not even all of them from back in the day, took a little while for her to get her name. Bessie coined her name in a Pennsylvania newsletter of The Creature Chronicles in 1991. Oh, cool newsletter name. Oh yeah, I would read that. The editor had reports of a serpentine monster in Lake Erie and recorded the slew of sightings that occurred between 1960 and 1990. So here's a few of those, our little more modern sightings. Mm -hmm. So in 1960, a man was fishing near Sandusky when he heard strange noises that he thought were two rats fighting, which is <laughs> an interesting first thought on what is happening. In water. In the water! In the water, maybe he's on a pier and there's just a lot of rats there. What do two rats fighting sound like? I don't know. Yeah? I didn't know they did fight that much. Enough to be like, them some rats. <laughs> them some fighting rats. <laughs> them some fighting rats. We're the two rats. Despite <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we haven't been we fighting. We haven't fought at all. We've been very respectful of each other's opinions. <laughs> It's almost like we're friends and we actually enjoy each other's company. Crazy. But so his first thought was to obviously throw a rock at the sound. Okay. Why? He's like, fuck you rats. Stop fighting while I'm trying to fish. But so in response, he saw a huge creature rise from the water, then push itself out of the lake with its four flippers to rest on a nearby beach. So that escalated quickly from rats to monster. So then in 1981, Teresa Kovach of Akron, Kovac, a woman, saw a snake-like reptile with flippers that was so large it could have easily capsized a boat. Then from 1983 to 85, Bessie was spotted at least four more times, with some reports saying that in addition to the head popping out of the water, there were also a few humps. So they got humps. Oh yeah. Think like squiggly line jutting in and out of the water, like classic like sea classic monster. Like classic sea monster Yeah, shape. classic. In the spring of 1989, a graph from a fish finder appeared to show a sonar reading of a cigar-shaped apparition about 35 feet in length at a depth of about 30 feet. That cigar shape is beautiful. I know. That's beautiful. Description. That's the description I gave and that's the description y'all got. So then a bunch more sightings occurred in 1990. But then she decided to take a little break after that until 1995 when reports popped up again in Pennsylvania. So the last known report or sighting, <laughs> drink bitches. So the last known sighting was reported in 1997 and even made CNN news when a video and blurry photos were taken. The creature was said to be about 30 to 50 feet in length and appears similar to a pleosaur or an ichthyosaurus, which were marine reptiles that lived at about the same time as dinosaurs. Well, I love that description. I love cigar shape better. I love it better too. I have seen the video. I watched a video of her. It is blurry and washed out. <laughs> it's not a it's good It's hard video. to get video underwater. It, no, it's not underwater. <laughs> <laughs> It was 1997. I know, but it's of the tiniest little head just like poking up. It's a classic cryptid video where it's like washed out the tiniest little moment and you can barely see anything. But what are you gonna do? Classic. Mm -hmm. Anyways, some people attribute the sightings to Lake Sturgeon, which is a fish that can grow to 20 feet and live over a hundred years. And I, I looked up these fish and they are- Horrifying. Horrifying. They are very monstrous. So like if I saw one, I honestly would probably be like, fuck, monster, shit, go tell authorities. They're insane. 
But while it's like similar to the descriptions, it is kind of cigar shaped. They're not as long or as skinty. Mm. And they don't have a defined head or the ability to make humps in the water. Oh my god, could you imagine fish with a defined head? No, thank you. <laughs> bad. The neck. Bad. Bad <laughs> shape. Neck fish, bad. Neck fish, bad. But here's the tea. While we have that lake sturgeon, whatever, people do really believe in her. Ooh. Like, Bessie is very real to people to the degree where if you're looking to make some money, there is a reward for catching her. Oh. Thomas Solberg, owner of Huron Lagoon Marina, has offered a reward for at least $5,000 to bring her back dead or alive. And actually, rumors say that the reward may have gone up to over $100,000 in cash and prizes. But so yeah, if you want to make some money, you could try to capture her dead or alive. But I say leave her the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. But if you really do want to find her, the good news is that she's only reported to have attacked a boat one time. And she did capsize it and kill three people, leaving one survivor, according to a newspaper. But from all of the other reports that I've read, it sounds like most of the time she's just like fucking around by herself. Like she's just playing in the water, churning water, chilling on the beach, just having a fun time all by herself. And like, it seems like she likes to have time by herself because there are these breaks and sightings that have, that's pretty consistent between when she first appeared in the 1700s to now. Introvert queen. Yeah, introvert queen. And since there haven't been reports since 1997, it looks like he's trying to have her a long time. On that, as to why, why people don't see her more often, Lake Erie covers about 10,000 square miles and is as deep as like 210 feet. So even though she's big, there are a lot of places for her to hide. And maybe if there are other Bessies, they're all like playing underwater. Yeah, having a good time. Yeah, leave her alone and don't make her angry, in my opinion. Oh, and fun fact, speaking of drinking, sighting, she's also been made extra famous when Great Lakes Brewing Company made her their logo. Hey, good for her. Yeah. Believability. I want to give her a four out of five. I would get, I was about to say four out of five for believability. The coolness factor. This one you might fight me on. Oh no. I'm only going to give her a four out of five. Can I give her a 4.5 out of five? I will allow that just because it does seem very basic monster. Like if she had a specific head. But even basic monster is cool monster. It is, but basic monster gets a three. The fact that she's a darker color that's not described as being like sea foam or lake colored, mm -hmm. that's cool. A little more menacing. 4.5 but it's not like she doesn't have horns or wings or like there's there's like that one extra thing mm -hmm. that she doesn't quite have would you travel and for the record there are many locations so would you travel to lake erie well my grandmother lives there on my mom's side hey. so yes i would but i think we should take a trip to the great lakes brewing company mm. and ask them why she's their mascot because i think that would be a fun little cryptid trip i think it would so too. i'm gonna give her a five out of five just five for the yes for the cryptid trip that we could potentially take one day when the world is better bessie bessie and lake erie is just kind of like a beautiful lake it would be beautiful five out of five five that's i'd give that a five out of five that brings bessie to 13.5 out of 15. And that makes Bessie our winner. That makes Yay! Bessie the winner. Yes, Bessie. She's my favorite, so that makes me happy. So we got Bessie in first place. Tied for second, we've got Isabella and Charles. And then in third place, I believe we have... The octopus. The octopus. 
Great in theory, probably not real. <laughs> probably not real. Also, who wants to go to Oklahoma? Not us. Convince us. Convince us. Maybe there's some fun, like, fake Western things to do. But Emma and I have a special little side note for you guys. Honorable mentions. My special mention is the monster from Lake Elsinore named Hamlet. Only because of the Shakespeare reference, because Elsinore is the goat in Hamlet and his name is Hamlet. How cute. Love some Shakespeare all the time. My little shout out and honorable mention goes to the, and I apologize if I pronounce this wrong, Lilanau Lake Monster, which and this is because when I was researching lake monsters, this very tiny description in, in one part was just log with eyes. <gasps> just Adorable. It has a story and it has like a sighting, but log with eyes is how it's best described and I think that's so funny. Like, just imagine seeing a log and it just opens its eyes. Coolness factor, six out of five. Six out of five for the log Six with out eyes. of five instantly. Look them up if you're interested. Log with eyes. But so that concludes our Lake Monster Showdown. <laughs> Which we talked a big game, but we really did. We, we were, were very polite and kind yep. to each other throughout this whole thing. We thought Air we were going to fight. We did not. We just have a mental link, Em and I do. We apologize. We thought we were going to uh, throw hands and insults. So I guess that sums it up for this week. Yeah, we just got a few announcements before we end our episode. Big thank you to our new Patreon supporter, Aries. Thank you so much for your support. Shout out to our new anchor supporter, Sam. Thank you so, so much for supporting our little indie podcast. Yes. Next up, we have a very important special promo from Riddle Me That True Crime with our good friend, Dr. Jules. And this is about her episode about the Jacob Landon case. And it's something that I think more people should know about. So here's her promo for that. Hi, I'm Jules from Riddle Me That True Crime. I'm Robin Warder from The Trail Went Cold, and Jules and I want to tell you a little bit about a case that means a great deal to us, the death of nine-month-old baby Jacob Landine on April the 10th, 1987, in Socorro, New Mexico. The day prior to his death, on April 9th, baby Jacob was being watched by his mother Brenda's new boyfriend, John, not his real name, in his mobile home on 1453 Fatima Drive. While John was babysitting Jacob, Jacob would incur what would be his second head injury in a period of weeks. The prior head injury was a subdural hematoma or brain bleed, and it was serious enough that it needed to be lanced to take pressure off baby Jacob's brain while being monitored by doctors over the course of several days. The circumstances surrounding how Jacob was injured and subsequently died are murky at best, with the suspect giving multiple versions of the events of the day, ranging from Jacob choking and accidentally hitting his head while trying to dislodge a cookie, to Jacob falling and John returning to see the injured infant. The suspect also reportedly confessed to officers that he was indeed responsible, but there is no paper or audio record of this confession in the police file. The reasons given by the DA for not pursuing the case are confusing as well, with one of the reasons being that they were worried that John would file charges against the state. It was the opinion of the doctors that baby Jacob was struck in the head and this was no accident. In the years to follow, John goes on to sexually abuse young Eric well as physically abusing his mother Brenda and emotionally abusing and isolating them both, making the world very small. During the autopsy, layers of abuse seem to be present. A healing rib fracture from around the time of the first head injury is also discovered. It's impossible to say exactly when the injury took place, but what is clear is that someone was abusing young Jacob, and that person was most likely John. 
Eric Landine, Jacob's brother, has been fighting to get justice for him. However, he faces some obstacles such as the statute of limitations of six years on second-degree murder that state representative Bill Ream has petitioned to have overturned. Join Robin and I, as well as criminologist Dr. Ashley Wellman, an investigative expert, a legal expert, a forensic psychiatrist, as well as Jacob's brother, Eric, as we explore all angles of this case and try to bring awareness, understanding, and hopefully, ultimately, justice for Jacob. The series starts on March the 1st. Tune in on your favorite podcast app. But for now, we're done. But we'll see you guys next time on a probably drier episode of Across the Veil. Because <laughs> we're not doing water creatures anymore. We're not. We're not. <laughs>